you know, Andre Jick. I was just in the sauna with him yesterday, you know, at his show or whatever. <laughs> his show's in the sauna? Yeah, it's called Don't Sweat It. Something's not adding up. He just started it. It's in a sauna for 45 minutes and it gets hotter. I am sweating. Man, when it hits. And then you do the cool down. So it's about a 90 minute conversation. Are Jay. you guys naked? Yeah, completely naked. Tweet. Uh, nah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's what my wife asked too. I go, yeah, I'm going on this podcast tomorrow in a sauna with a guy. And she goes, what? Who's this guy? Why does he watch you in a sauna? <laughs> All right, I got my repeat guest and good buddy Sean Cannell back on from Think Media. What's up, man? Ryan, so good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Pumped to see the new studio. Yeah. I mean, with a lot of your guys' guidance, we've been able to uh, get to where we're at today on YouTube and you know build the studio. And you got your new revised edition of YouTube Secrets, which is exciting, man. I I've read it. I read the original back when I first got started on YouTube. So, yeah, great I'm book. I'm excited. The new version... Uh, Three new chapters, completely rewritten, 90 new pages, updated a lot of resources, and pretty wild because I think we're over 80,000 copies sold, counting the first edition, and we just overlaid the Amazon listing so that the reviews compound so that the only version you can get now is the second edition updated for a new decade of crushing it on YouTube. Wow. That's a lot of copies, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that is wild. I... um. You know, obviously I have my book, I mean, by the time it's airs, it might already be out, um, The Wealthy Way. For those of you who want to get it, you can go to wealthywaybook.com. But uh, it's wild, like the amount of effort it takes to create a book, right? And in social media, with it changing literally like every month, it's hard to write a book on a social media platform. And I see why you've had to revise it. Like YouTube has shorts now. They, they have all this extra stuff that they never had. I mean, it, it's tough. Yeah, 100%. And there is a lot of new things. The first part of the book is the seven C's of YouTube success, which is a framework that really is unchanging. And so we tried to write it with that in mind. But then there is a whole new chapter with new YouTube features, shorts, live streaming. It's been around, but updating it. Super chat, community tab, YouTube stories, um, which you know expire every seven days, not 24 hours. Oh, I and didn't know that. Yeah. And, um, that we could talk about that. And then also I think video podcasting, youtube.com forward slash podcasts, podcasting is a major trend on YouTube as well that everybody listening to this should be considering. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're on a YouTube podcast right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I'm a big fan of podcast. I mean, obviously I've rebranded my podcast to the wealthy way and, you know, I'm going on basically two years now of podcasting and I love it because, not only do I get to talk to cool guests like you, but it provides me so much content in short form that you know I get for all the other platforms. 100%. I think it's the most highly leveraged content format for entrepreneurs. You get your video podcast, you get the YouTube juice there. You can clip shorts or rather clips, kind of that Joe Rogan style, three, four, five minute clips out of it. But then it's endless in terms of uh, turning it into vertical video and as you build a team around that, which most listening to this would want to do, that's going to be the key because to your point, any episode may have 5, 10, 15, 20 good clips potentially. Yeah. I mean, there are some where I'm like, man, we, we've we used that episode like in 10 different things. Yeah. But it's just like there were that many pretty good sound bites, essentially. Yep. The one thing we haven't figured out on podcast is just like what you said, the four to five minute clip. Because mm -hmm. I see some of these guys like Joe Rogan or Dave Ramsey, who it's like, yeah, that's they have a specific channel for their five minute clips. And then they have their long form podcast over here. And I don't really have that because I have my main YouTube channel, which is, you know, 10, 15 minute whatever videos. And then there's this, which is usually an hour. So, I mean, where would I even put those? Yeah, well, I think you could upload them on the same channel for most if they were going to start a video podcast from scratch. I would upload like every Tuesday, a Tuesday show. Then I might think, what is two, one to two, around five minute clips? And there's no magic number. It could be three and a half, five, eight and a half minutes. Just the complete thought. Jay, Joe Rogan clips on YouTube is a great example. There's four minutes, there's thir 13. And I would upload those on the same channel because what I've learned as a consumer that can speak to this I actually rarely listen to people's long form episodes, mm. but I mainly consume clips. Like, and even if I touch in with 
Logan Paul on Impulsive or um, these kind of YouTuber H3H3. I don't listen to H3H3's three-hour shows. I look for these highlight moments. Same thing with Ramsey. I won't watch his two-hour call-in show. I just pay attention to his highlights and I'm like, what's he saying on this? And um, what you're doing is I don't think you're going to offend subscribers that are like, hey, I already listened to that. You're actually going to serve individuals that may just want to grab a headline, grab, click on a thumbnail and hear about that one moment. Right. Yeah. The way I look at it is for me anyways, I see short form being like the dominant form of video right now. And I think for the foreseeable future, and I think podcasts are a way to get short form clips that are really engaging. And I see to me anyways, I think podcast becomes like the preferred long form method. Like, I don't I don't know if you agree. You're the YouTube expert. You have over how many subscribers now? I mean, th- three plus million across a couple of different channels. And yeah, your channels are literally dedicated to teaching people how to make content on YouTube and all that stuff. Um, but like for me, my perception is I enjoy listening to hour long podcasts and other things. Um, I also enjoy looking at short form reels and TikToks. What I don't really watch a ton of are the 10 to 20 minute YouTube videos anymore, personally. And I know that TikTok has been taking away from YouTube. You know, more people are going shorter and shorter. But then now I see this other extreme happening where people are doing the three hour podcast and like people are like loving it. What do you see happening? Yeah, I, I love this conversation because uh, I like what you said. You you personally are not into that kind of middle range. Yeah. But I'm the opposite. I am. I think the sophisticated contentpreneur in 2023 and beyond is recognizing that they're serving up their core message in multiple different formats. It's like you want to give people tapas, appetizers, you could give them a full entree, you could give them dessert, you could give them all these, you could give them a multi-course meal, you could give them a three-hour buffet. It's just all these different formats that is just respecting different, you know, viewers. And each one is a potential hook in the ocean. As you've discovered, you could post one vertical video that gets a thousand views and then one that gets 10 million. And when the goal is to just commit to the process of uploading everything. So, um, you know, I was recently hanging out with Patrick Bet David and I was in his, I know you've been there as well, that, that four cubicles of thumbnails, posting, YouTube strategy, video editing. And I was talking, he has two guys now that sit in, in their weekly two hour long form show. And I think the way they do, it's pretty intelligent because they they're embracing both shorts and clips and they'll do that on a channel called Valuetainment Clips and they have somebody that actually listens into the podcast takes notes during of rough talking points and then they also go back after and then put those notes over to the video editors and it's just whatever format is best for this if there's a riff on something that is seven and a half minutes well that's going to need to be a clip. And if there's something that could be edited down in under a minute, well, then that could be a short. And I think the other big unlock I learned um, from Valuetainment is he's committed to, to go two hours, twice a week, typically Tuesday and Thursday. And them in particular, he gets a lot of voices around the table, which is a key. He gets some people with differing opinions. So he's got other people on his team, plus potentially a guest. And they just hammer what's happening in culture. So they're always creating two hours, which is a good example of what Ramsey does as well. He sits down for two hours and he just gets phone calls. So people are like, the stock market just crashed. What do you think? And so he responds to what's happening now. Bitcoin just crashed. And so things come up and he talks about the elections, about the midterms, about Jeff Bezos, about Steve Jobs, about uh, Apple, iPhone, all, you know, whatever. And then those become so many kind of trend surfing, influence surfing moments um, because he's creating content in that format in the long form. And then he's got a system of distributing that again, all the way across social media, but on YouTube specifically shorts and clips, depending on how long is the the full riff on that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, I mean, obviously we get the clips and everything and we do a good, not the clips, I mean the the shorts, 
but we we're not really doing clips so much. But I think it would be wise to have, you know, my guy Austin, who's uh, running the board right now, start taking notes of like, hey, that was a good point. We should, you know, make sure we do that, et cetera. Yeah. And if it was like a complete thought. So if, for example, we talked for eight minutes and broke down one complete thing, if you were talking to, you know, Matt from True Books and you guys broke down an actual, like, let's talk all about bonus depreciation, that whole conversation could also be edited properly or not edited at all. That's what JRE clips. It typically is just an in and out. And that's what Valuetainment does too. I said, do you really edit? He goes, for simplicity, we really just kind of pick an endpoint and an out point to keep it simple. But the key is we really think about what's the hook, what's the title, what's the thumbnail, and we position it right. And they really at least download on something that's a complete idea. More than a soundbite, it's like, you know, let's- A soundbite is a TikTok. Yeah, a soundbite's a TikTok. This would be- you know, uh, like I could talk about what's the perfect video recipe in YouTube in YouTube secrets. It's four things. We could talk about it for 10 minutes. It's a part of a longer form podcast, but then that would, that could really be a, a pretty good YouTube video. That's 10 minutes, maybe even edited down to seven and a half and potentially could even maybe have a little bit of sizzle from uh, an editor, a little bit of maybe music cuts into some examples and so on and so forth. That All that would be unnecessary, but out of these longer form conversations could be essentially mini YouTube videos. There's the clip strategy, but the YouTube strategy would be edited kind of like a creative TikTok, a little bit of music, you know, sunglasses pop up, you say, you know, it, things, it's interesting and it's consolidated and why? Why do all this? The opportunity is that what can often happen is maybe the podcast is the weakest performing in terms of reach out of all the content formats. But there's seven minutes outside of it that editing is vested in. As an entrepreneur, you're paying an editor, you're spending money on that. That's output content-wise, you know, resource-wise. But then that one 10-minute consolidated conversation that an editor put 10 hours of editing into could get 500,000 views. You could tack on a call to action to whatever you want to have happen, throw an ad in the middle or at the end. Mm -hmm. And and again, we just had this 60-minute conversation and out of it, it's the question is, is there like a standalone YouTube video in there that could perform super well on, on YouTube and go further? Mm -hmm. And do you guys do that on Think Media? Yeah, our workflow is because we have two channels like you, a lot of what we do is we do the Think Media podcast and on Think Media, the main channel, we put out more crafted videos. Like even our standard on Think Media is you're typically going to get videos that are almost never longer than 20 minutes. So we might have a longer conversation on, or we always typically would have a longer conversation on the podcast, but there would be a certain moment. Um, another example is I did just interview PBD. We talked about the Mr. Beast turning down a billion dollars. We chopped that into vertical videos, but we also turned it into a YouTube video. And the whole thing was about four minutes as a clip more. But, but you put that on Think Media's main channel? Yeah. And to that point, the psychology of that audience, the way we've built it, was not an hour-long conversation with somebody that most people probably wouldn't know. Truly, they wouldn't actually really know PBD over there. Some might. But they would all know Mr. Beast. Yeah. He was in the thumbnail. It was one idea, one topic. And that's that's maybe the that's that's sort of I think the thinking. I think a lot of good YouTube videos are one promise, one idea, one title. Whereas a video podcast is more of a there's a lot going on. Lots going on. So you're actually into it more for the person or more for the big category. And so what is actually as you get people on your team that really think strategically. It's it's like, oh, that's a strong idea. It's like a strong hook. Like that particular part, well, that would really serve well. And so at this point, Omar's thinking about this or Kyle and Nolan are thinking about this and we will turn longer form. There's also times where I'll teach for 50 minutes, essentially like a webinar or a web class. And that does well on its own. It could even be a live stream, but typically that's also maybe behind people opt in to be at a live class. Nolan went in and found a part and chopped out five minutes. He actually hooked it himself. So he's he's like, you know, opens up with a qualifying question. There's a little bit of editing. There's some stuff happening. It's a it's a 
it's spiced up for YouTube, mm -hmm. but it's crushing right now. It's one of our top videos. So I just do this long form training. It has its own time and place and it made its own impact, but packaged right into a five minute, seven minute YouTube video, um, it, it's crushing the algorithms suggested, getting views every single month for the last couple months. Yeah, I wonder if we should. I mean, we did a version of that, but we didn't spice it up. Mm. You know, it was just like, oh, this is the clip. It's 10 minutes and we did no edits to it. You know, nothing, right? Whereas um, I repurposed my interview with um, Hormozy from my event and it did really well because it got like 40,000 views because, I mean, obviously it's Hormozy. People are searching for him, but also we spiced it up. We added all these edits. It it just wasn't us on stage. That's what it would have been. And so it was engaging as as that format. That's a big key. And and if right now click-through rate and average view duration are the metrics for a video to perform. So if you and average percentage viewed. So if you can actually take something that will continually get your fringe subscribers or even people who are not subscribed as YouTube recommends it and have an average percentage viewed of 50, 60, 70, 80% of average view duration of five, six, seven, eight minutes, assuming let's say the video is 10 minutes, then that video is just going to crush, you know, good thumbnail and, and it hooks people more. People who are listening to this would be bought into you, uh, very into education, right. Or, or more like wanting to listen to this passively, whether, um, you know, driving or working out or something like that. Whereas the opportunity on YouTube on some pieces of content, cause it takes energy is you, these are like outreach pieces of content. You're looking for something that's going to reach new people. So you're putting that extra effort into holding audience retention, which spicing it up is a big key for that. So would you put it on my podcast channel or put it on my main channel? Well, I think you could experiment with both. What I would say is I wouldn't overthink it. And that's where a lot of people kind of get stuck. I would say, do both, do everything, try it all and then measure. So what, what I would say is you have almost nothing to lose. In fact, you have nothing to lose. So, yeah. you know, you go, okay, let, let's out of some of these episodes, let's try to get two, three of the clips. Let's upload them, see how we do. And let's pay attention to a few things, not just the metrics and the analytics, but even the comments. If you had a barrage of individuals saying, I am so offended, you know, you're in my feed and, and my guess is almost nobody would say anything or one person would say it, but you got 10,000 views and it's like, okay, fair enough. But like people can self-select, they can listen to the full version or the short. Well, I don't really version. care what, you know, haters yeah. or what anyone's going to say. I, I'm like, is it performing or not? Yeah. Right. And so, and, and, and we... We just like to, in, in one way, I think this is a very 2023 YouTube strategy. YouTube judges videos individually. Like videos are judged on their own merits. Each video is judged. Of course, there's your channel and your subscribers, but all that's coming into play in regards to that is YouTube's gonna serve your video to your subscribers first and how they engage with a portion of them. And based on the amount that click on it and engage with it, will it even be shown to more of your subscribers? We're talking about on their homepage. And then from there, it's trying to also suggest your video to people who are like your subscribers. So, so to that end, um, most people are not in the subscription feed studying everything you upload. They may only be getting hit with what's showing up on their homepage. So for you to test one, two, three clips on the podcast channel, throw one of those over on your main channel um, and continually test and experiment. Again, you, you really have nothing to lose. What I do think people do is they try to over-organize at the start. Like it's pretty clear what Ramsey's doing. Full-length shows on one channel, clips on the other. They figured out their rhythm. But I would say for you and me as well, we're just constantly trying to figure out our rhythm, our cadence. Um, and so in my we've up, we uploaded a good clip from Evan Carmichael who spoke at our event on our podcast channel. We haven't really done as many clips there, but it actually forever is one of our highest first 30 seconds view duration videos because it's it's more optimized. It's more it's about a 5 minute video. To that end, most mostly we put them over on our main channel, but essentially what I would summarize by saying is just where should this one piece of content go? And I would ask your team, where should this one piece of content go? Like, let's not overthink it. 
does this fit on Think Media? Is it worthy of Think Media, which would be a wider audience that we might not go as hyper niche with like business content? It'd be very YouTube. We do a lot of camera reviews. So it'd be even more tech related, a broad appeal. If it fits there, I'd rather upload it on the 2.2 million channel. Is this more nuanced? Would be not, does it not fit there as well? Just put on the podcast channel. It's kind of, that's a more ride or die community that kind of wants everything. Yeah. And then you're always updating your brand and and just being aware, listening to your community, looking at analytics and adapting and pivoting as you go. Mm, I love that. Speaking of the podcast, you know, I had PVD on um, a few months ago because I met him at your event. That was how him and I met. And I did a YouTube video a little while ago talking about all the things I learned from him and um, gave you guys a shout out because he uh, he shouted me out on your podcast and somebody had sent me the clip, once again, the clip, because I didn't see the whole interview. And he's like, yeah, you know, I met Ryan at the event. He's so cool. That guy could be a model. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. So PBD's a good dude. He's awesome. Yeah, he's an inspiring guy. Yeah. So with uh, everything that you're seeing now on YouTube and just the social media game, it's funny because when you and I first met, for those who don't know, Sean lives in Vegas, like a lot of it just seems YouTubers and entrepreneurs do. Um, and by the way, for everyone wondering, I'm born and raised in Vegas. I don't know anyone else that is that's that's in the game. They're all transplants and I'll accept them. But I want everyone to know I've been here from the beginning. So were, were you from Vegas? No, you're no, from born in Seattle. Yeah. So, you know, anyways, let's let's put that point to rest. Um, you and I met in during like the pandemic because I was starting YouTube and then you know, I saw your guys' channel because I'm like, man, where do I learn about YouTube? And then YouTube recommended me Think Media. And I started just looking into it. And then all of a sudden, somehow I, I realized you guys were in Vegas. Some Someone talked about it in a video. I was like, oh, these guys are in Vegas. Let me hit these guys up. And then, um, you know, sure enough, we ended up meeting somehow. I think it was actually through TrueBooks, maybe. Um, Matt was doing work for you guys. And then, you know, kind of the rest is history. We've yeah. been able to do a lot of things together. A lot of things that I've learned from YouTube and social media have come from you guys because you've been doing it how many years now? Man, I mean, I I started video for shooting video for my church in 2003. First YouTube channel. 2003? <laughs> Is that wild? <laughs> so first YouTube channel was 2007 for my local church in Marysville, Washington. Michael Austin here wasn't even born. You've been doing YouTube longer than he's alive. <laughs> That's quite, That's crazy. And so anyways, <laughs> were you, when were you born? Okay, so 2007 was when I started the first channel. So he's one. I'm uploading videos for for my church. I have no clue what I'm doing. You had a 15-minute time limit then, no custom thumbnails, a whole different era. And then in 2009, I started a freelance video business, and the first video was uploaded on Think Media in 2010. I went, it was very sidelined and really didn't get started until 2015, uh, where I got really focused on Think Media. And now, uh, you know, seven, eight years later, um, things have really taken off and that's become my sole focus. And so I've been doing video video for two decades, mm -hmm. YouTube since almost the start. And so, yeah, a lot of time and have been not only creating my own content, but spent a lot of time doing freelance work and channel management and video editing and things for other, um, speaker, author, pastor, churches, ministries, businesses over the years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, we bonded, through church and other ministries. And, um, you know, that's how I met Ruslan who also knew Patrick and then Pete Vargas, who I now do stuff with, with, uh, Cardone, obviously Cardone's not in our space on the Christian side, but you know, it's just been like this big circle of a lot of people we know. Um, you know, actually through that group, I also met John Acuff who's been on the show who then introduced me, um, to Jeff Goins, who's, uh, helped me write my book, wealthy way. So it's just like this circle, man. It's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, um, what's interesting it, with YouTubers and even when I first met you, like I got on YouTube and TikTok at the same time. And most YouTubers were sleeping on short form. They're like, short form will never be like YouTube. Like it's whatever YouTube's king. And as we have seen over time, like I, I now see every YouTuber has to embrace short form. You guys is included. How has that shift been? 
Real quick, if you haven't heard, my book, The Wealthy Way, is coming out December 13th. I have been working on this book for years, and I'm super excited about it, and I want to have a massive launch, and I need your help. So here's what we are going to do. You can actually pre-order the book on Amazon right now on the Kindle version. And the best part is that Kindle version is only going to be 99 cents. Now, this book is a lot more valuable than 99 cents, but I want to get it in everyone's hands. So you can support by ordering it there right now. Now, on December 13th, you can get access to the paperback, you can get access to the Audible and all that good stuff. But that's not all we're doing. If you want to really support and leave a review for the book, I'm actually going to be giving away a free course that I created called Business Builder Academy. This is teaching everyone how to start a business from start to scratch, how to figure out your branding, your products, sales, marketing, everything that I've done to start up all of my businesses, I've put into this academy, and I'm gonna give it to you completely free as long as you leave a review on Amazon. So think about it. You can go buy the book for a dollar, leave a review, and get a course worth thousands. So if you want to support and you want to get access to that, go to wealthywaybook.com, okay? Wealthywaybook.com. You'll be able to go pre-order it. You'll be able to submit proof of your review, and you're going to get access to that course. So I appreciate all you guys. Let's have a huge launch for this book and change some lives. Yeah, so... Um, I agree with you. I think that vertical video is the biggest opportunity in social media right now. Uh, it would be irresponsible to ignore vertical video. Um, as a shift for us, I think as, as you're in anything for a while, when a major change comes, it's always a little bit frustrating because you're like, oh man, I got to reinvent myself again. Oh, another thing to do, another platform to embrace. But for the, um, savvy entrepreneur who wants to be in business, not just today, but tomorrow, I think you have to be able to embrace where, you know, skate to where the puck is going, not just where it is. And so I think the opportunity with vertical video is first, of course, YouTube shorts, YouTube shorts is now going to offer monetization, mm -hmm. uh, which Mr. Beast predicts and many others that it's going to be, that'll be attract a lot of creators away from TikTok. But I think the opportunity with vertical video that we're embracing is first the commitment to creating relevant vertical video, meaning this, you know, good hook, what's, what's the big idea, learning kind of the art form. Then two, distributing it across many platforms. Because rather than thinking, oh, I should do TikTok or I should do YouTube shorts or I should do that, I think what you should do is vertical video. I definitely agree with, you know, people used to say, I actually think this kind of not as true in today's world. They're like, you need to do different content for every platform. And I would agree with that in the sense of saying, yeah, there's a YouTube video and you may not want to upload that video to LinkedIn or something, or you shouldn't just take one picture back when Instagram was really a photo platform, just blasted everywhere. And you need to make content native to the platform. Okay, fine. But I really think in today's world, if you're making a promise with your brand, like you help people with real estate, many other things, but like you help people with real estate. So real estate tips on LinkedIn or on TikTok or on YouTube can work regardless. So as we create vertical, as we committed to creating vertical video, which in our case was the infrastructure, it would be like editors, social media strategists in terms of chopping out the clips. What we found is we'll upload something on TikTok. We recently had a 25 million one. We uploaded that on Instagram Reels, 750,000. YouTube Shorts, 125,000. Um, Facebook Reels, which is, I think, one of the most slept on things right now. We're getting consistently anywhere from 5,000 to 5 million views on Facebook Reels. This is all no extra effort besides the strategy of uploading it. And now another one we're embracing is Pinterest vertical video which a friend of mine recently showed me that he made $13,000 on the creator fund of Pinterest uh, vertical video. And as we started uploading our clips there, we got seven views, nine, you know, our shorts or our vertical videos, 22. And then one already got 1,333. And like, this again, is Pinterest. this is Pinterest. Yeah. And so if you know yourself, meaning your brand makes a promise. And so why do people follow Sean Cannell? Well, YouTube tips, video production tips. So for everybody listening to this, like what's your brand? What's your brand promise? What problem do you solve? And and then on top of that, I do think there's also even the broad appeal thing. I mean, I'm I'm dropping some content 
Uh, I just did one, which actually someone else found. It was part of a podcast conversation about how I got excelled, expelled from private school. Um, and so even some personal stuff or things that are more about how I was inspired by the Wu-Tang Clan to, and that influenced Think Media. Like, I think there's even things that could be more broad appeal um, that people, they maybe get too narrow because that could be a bridge to just reaching somebody who checks out your bio, whatever. We could go more into that. So all that to say is we have been seeing insane results from posting vertical video across multiple platforms. And the one nuance would be if you do want to intentionally think, okay, what is there a place to enter a title? YouTube shorts have a title. Should that title be the same as it is on TikTok? TikTok just expanded the amount of characters you can do in your copy to a massive number. <laughs> and and Neil, Neil Patel was talking about it. TikTok is making a search engine optimization play. Oh, yeah. TikTok is more used as a search engine by Gen Z than Google. I heard that. So, yeah. And so so that those are nuances where maybe the vertical creative is the same. But how are you using hashtags on each place? Is Are you writing extra copy, extra words? Is the title a little bit different? Can you upload a thumbnail or do you select a thumbnail or is it done differently? Do you upload a thumbnail externally? And so those best practices could be helpful for someone that just wants to start messy, which you should start before you're ready, start messy, just start posting. Um, you, even if you didn't do all the best practices, it's still helpful once you've created the vertical asset to potentially put it a lot of places. If you make Hormozy style vertical videos, which a lot of people kind of the sit down, deliver one big idea, an editor throws some captions on there. It's it's is is complex or not complex as you think. You just go straight through one big big idea. That type of video can live almost anywhere. And then the final filter would be maybe there's a there's somebody that's being thoughtful to say out of the last 20 vertical video clips we've created, two of these should be uploaded on LinkedIn. These all can go on TikTok cuz who cares or we're just testing things. And, and maybe there's nuances to where you're posting it, but I don't even think you have to overthink it that much. No, there's but, no harm to posting. Exactly. There's no cost. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a great point. And, and, uh, what's wild is again, I like to measure certain ones that perform well. I like to measure over after some time has passed how they did across platforms. And I'm not seeing a rhyme or reason again, sometimes TikTok might typically give you the most views. Doesn't mean the best views, but there it's a lot of times the most. But some stuff goes bigger for me on Instagram, maybe because it's more personal and I feel like the following is more invested in me. So if it's more of a personal story, it it kind of goes bigger. TikTok. So, but who it, cares? It's yeah, all it's you know what I've seen, like even posting across all these platforms is it's just always changing, right? Because TikTok for me you know, years ago used to be like, it would kill it. Yeah. Right. And then reels when nobody was doing, it was brand new. I just started killing it on reels. Yep. And then now they're both mature. Reels have matured. TikTok has matured. YouTube has, you know, shorts are finally good and they've got separate feeds for shorts and everything, which has been huge. Um, I'm like seeing that TikTok, even though I have the most followers there, 1.1 million gets the least amount of views mm. and reels gets the most. And, you know, shorts sometimes do really good, sometimes whatever, but it's just, it's interesting to see. And I've actually heard that from uh, other influencers where they're like, yeah, if you've been on TikTok for a while now, they're kind of promoting new people, mm. trying to get them going. And so I'm like, that would make sense because I'm the, the content's the same everywhere. So it's just curious to see how that that's working out. Yeah, that's super fascinating. And to your point, yeah, I mean... It, not overthinking it, taking massive action, uh, being committed to the process and getting those outputs out there. Just meaning. Yeah. And look, even if they don't get a lot of views on TikTok, whatever. I mean, it didn't cost me anything to post. Like a view is a view. Yep. One thing I was thinking about, I was talking to my buddy, Tall Fishman. He's got 15 million subs on YouTube. And yep. um, dude who's legit, he actually is the one who introduced me to um, what Snapchat's doing with Snap Shows, which once again, it's vertical video. They are paying creators a bunch of money. So I just got a new snap show. By the time this airs, maybe it'll already be going. We'll see how it how it goes with views and making money and stuff. But uh, him and I were talking about it and he was like, there might one day be a world where like we watch everything vertically. 
And he's like, could you imagine going to a movie with a vertical screen or like your TV's in your house and hmm. it's vertical? And I was like, I can, I could see it. Like, I don't think like it would happen overnight, but it wouldn't surprise me if like YouTube stopped going horizontal focused and was like, Hey, make your 10 minute videos vertical. I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> no, and he wasn't saying but, he believes that's going to happen. Oh, gotcha. He's like, it but could I, happen. But I mean, even I would say <laughs> I disagree, but I see the logic and this is where I would come from would be, of course, I think the film, the movie theater experience, the TV, but, but I've also, I've almost become somewhat blind to vertical video. And one of the things my family loves to do now, I've got an 11 week old, a two year old, um, and then my wife and our chihuahua and me. <laughs> so the five of us, if we agree on content, we watch together. And this is funny all the way from my, uh, 11 week old up there's the content we love to watch together that keeps everybody engaged is fail army. So it's, it's, and you've probably seen it before fail blog. It's just, you know, like cars that crash, people slip and just <laughs> compilations of, um, weird, you know, the roof breaks, uh, a, an animal jumps, you know, just like kind of funny, quick, and the majority of it, it's kind of like America's Funniest Home Videos in a modern world where there's people who repurpose it and just kind of take clips from the internet and they build like automation channels about it. But I think Phil Army actually gets clips submitted. And the most, the majority of the clips are vertical, right? And this is a massive thing on YouTube. There's so much YouTube content that are the best TikToks, the funniest TikToks. Yeah, compilations. The yeah. Compilations. And you're watch, and we're watching this on a smart TV. So the majority of the frame is empty, yeah, you know, but like I, we we're blind to it. Like, I don't, I don't notice it. Like, it's still funny. It's huge. The smart TV, it's bigger than my phone and you're used <laughs> to watching it on your phone. So it is interesting that the content, I, I would agree with that, that I think vertical video is, is a thing for real. It's also interesting that IGTV failed and they shut it down and for a while, some people went all in, like, I'm going to be a vertical video filmmaker. Like, I'm going to try to, like, create. And, and I don't want to talk anybody out of anything. Like, if that works, maybe we'll see one of the greatest documentary filmmakers or vloggers in the future, like, really crush vertical. And there's been some of those that made really artistic things. But I think vertical video uh, lends itself most to that, like, TikTok conversation. Quick clips, you know. Yeah, maybe, like, maybe one day uh, your TV will swivel. You know, like and some do. I know, and it'll just be like, all right, I'm going. I'm going to watch this kind of content now, and especially because you can also cast. So if you were to realize like you you actually just want to experience TikTok on yeah, full yeah. screen, which sounds like a nightmare, actually, that just make it worse. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, yeah, that maybe you just you get nice TV. It does it electronically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys are watching crash shows. I'm I'm over here. I've been watching Superbook the last however many years. Nice, like literally nonstop <laughs> my kid my son loves and now so my son only watched superbook for years and he still only watches superbook nothing else literally nothing else and my daughter never cared about tv or anything so she was just like whatever now she's two and a half and she's discovered coco melon mm. and baby shark and uh moana and stuff and so she wants the control he wants the control it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy now. <laughs> I, dude, I live that Coco Melon life and, and, and baby shark. That's our jam. Yep. That's the techno version. There's one that has There's like an EDM version. Yeah. The EDM version. <laughs> it's all just. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yep. So funny. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I mean, business wise, I mean, people don't really know what you do. I mean, they, they see think media, they see, uh, you know, you guys are, are making helpful videos, but I mean, I know behind the scenes, I mean, you obviously got your book, um, I spoke at your big event, Growth Video Live. You guys had like, how many people were there? 800? Yeah, 800 people. We yeah. ended up, I mean, it was it was like 1,200 tickets sold. Yeah. People happy and, and only 800 got in the room. Yeah. So, you know, you had Growth Video Live here in Vegas where you had Patrick, me, Hormozy, and a bunch of other big names. Um, and then you have all of your training at yep. Think Media. Um, what, what specifically are you guys training people on? Yeah, so... I mean, our core product is called Video Ranking Academy, and that's our it's our YouTube course and kind of our proprietary process. 
is most relevant for this audience. If there's two big categories on YouTube, there's entertainment and education. Uh, of course, there's the hybrid of that. Any educator is best if they can be entertaining. I think, uh, you know, Andre Jick, I was just on the, I was just in the sauna with him yesterday, you know, on his show or whatever. And, <laughs> he has uh, his shows in the sauna. Yeah. It's called Don't Sweat It. And it's, I didn't know he had a podcast. He just started it. And oh. it's, it, it's in a sauna for 45 minutes and it gets hotter. <laughs> and then, and then you do the cool down. So it's about a 90 minute conversation. And so, and his co host, are you guys naked? Yeah, completely naked. Sweet. Uh, nah, <laughs> uh, that's what my wife asked too. I go, yeah, I'm going on this podcast tomorrow in a sauna with a guy. And she goes, what? Who's this guy? Why does he watch you in a sauna? And I, and I was like, and then I showed her like, and she's like, oh, people are like wearing a t-shirt and, you know. But could I go on it naked? Like, I don't feel comfortable I, in a sauna wearing clothes. I think he would let you, you All know. Right. I mean, it is, it is kind of like waist up. So whatever's happened downtown, Down below, like you're I can good. do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like that'll just, I think that'd be a lot more entertaining for, yeah. you know, the whole crew. <laughs> All that to say, uh, Andre, you know, he's kind of that, that edutainment. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect example of that, especially too, if he's combat combining ma uh, magic and personal finance, but uh, we typically really help educators and like yourself, people that are, you know, in real estate with a lot of loan officers, real estate officers, tax professionals, personal finance people, people with gardening. And so our course video record Academy, we have a seven R process and that is it's really the power of evergreen content. We would push people towards, yeah, sure, you can go viral and we have all those strategies in there. But I like the slow and steady win strategy, creating search-based videos. In a 2023 world, you'd call these intent-based videos that are evergreen. I grew up in Seattle, so we had evergreen trees. That's what it means. They were green summer, spring, winter, fall. If there was snow on the ground, the trees still had, mm. uh, they're still green. So evergreen videos are education videos, teaching something, people are searching for them by typing in search or they're just expressing their intent. As soon as someone is like trying to figure out how to flip homes, they search for how to flip homes, maybe even on Google because Google and it's connected to YouTube. Then they go to YouTube and on their homepage, YouTube starts recommending them things. Because they know. Because they, they start seeing, oh, that person's intent is to learn how to flip homes. So if you're organizing videos around all these different topics, how do I get started? Tips for beginners. How do I raise money? How do I get my first deal? And so really making strategic videos and then connect, connecting them to smart, smart monetization strategies. And one of the ways to start for new, new creators that have no product, maybe have no business would be affiliate marketing. Because if you could get in front of strategic questions um, and connect it to somebody else's affiliate offer, you don't got to ship it yourself, do anything yourself. You, you're in a very leveraged place. The case examples of that in my early days, yes, it was tech and cameras, but I did a video on green juice powder. Uh, it was called Organifi that I like to take when traveling and I positioned it right, did some keyword research. And I made like $20,000 as that video just sits there, keeps getting found. Someone clicks my on link. On the AdSense? On or the, the affiliate. affiliate, the probably, affiliate yeah, only probably 4,000 on the AdSense. The affiliate killed it. I did, a, yeah, I did a, a, a kit of a budget LED light and made $32,000 on one video, 4,000 on ad revenue and about 28,000 in Amazon affiliate commissions. Not just, and you get, you only get 4%, but if the video keeps being viewed and that's over a, that was since tw December, 2019. And so in about three years, the video will make close to 40 grand. And that's on the higher side of what one video could do. Again, no, didn't create a course, didn't have to call a seller, cold call somebody or send out a mailer, like just pure online arbitrage really of, of getting a, uh, of creating content and being in the middle of AdSense and affiliate marketing and understanding audiences and human psychology. So all that to say, that's uh, we went deep off the question of all the things we do at Think Media, but our core product over the years has been, is Video Ranking Academy. We keep improving it. And um, we've seen just so many people have a lot of success. And for some business owners creating extra income streams, because maybe you're even a local agent, you start thinking different about referral business. You start thinking different about you know, 
how you can maybe even have a channel memberships or a membership kind of a thing because the information you're giving out, uh, referring people state to state, which would be essentially be kind of like affiliate marketing itself. Mm, Yeah. Affiliates are such a great income stream. You know, in my uh, businesses, we we never really like pushed affiliate marketing with, you know, the, the customers or students in the business. And even though they could make good money doing it, like, we just never were pushy about it. Um, but the more that like I've been in business and seen it, the more I'm like, dude, people should do affiliate marketing way more. Yeah. Right. Like for your for you guys, you're doing so many reviews on equipment, like put your link in and make an affiliate. Like you were you caused the sale. Yep. Um, and then, you know, even for like our students, I, I tell them all the time, uh, if you're flipping houses and you're talking about it and people are asking you how to flip, you know, shoot them over to us. You'll make an affiliate commission. Same thing with Content Empire. You know, people are asking you why you're making content now. Tell them and and make a commission. Like it's just a win-win for everybody to do affiliate. Yeah, and I think for like a startup entrepreneur that's trying to figure out their their hustle and make five, ten, fifteen k a month um, by themselves, like you get position right with affiliate, that would be all you need. Sending traffic to your stuff, you know creating really valuable content, building trust, building goodwill, taking care of people, but finding affiliate programs you believe in. It is it is a massive uh, opportunity. And what I like about it is on YouTube, it's highly leveraged, meaning you've got the peace of mind that if you, if you rank a video, hence our program, Video Ranking Academy, and you make the video once, you make the video today, and six months later, Nine months later, 12 months later, it's still bringing in money. Oh, cool. Another sale came through. Oh, cool. Because people, it's being suggested by the YouTube Mm -hmm. algorithm or people are finding it in search. So depending on what your ambition is, this is real passive income. Some people hate on passive income. I'm like, you know, and they are critical of it, but- I'm making some serious passive income. (laughs) I'm I'm literally, I'm like, all I know is I post- How much do you think you make a month from affiliate marketing? Uh, We make- on Amazon every year, so you could break down the monthly, uh, something like three hundred and fifty, I think, thousand dollars, so like thirty grand a month, just yeah, putting links. It's probably twenty to thirty thousand on the Amazon, but then it goes deeper. We have B and H Photo, Adobe for software, Epidemic Sound is a big one, VidIQ software is a big one. Um, you know, I think also a lot of people don't realize how much. I know for guys like Graham and Andre, they have brand deals where they send people to like. Publix or like a, you know, yes. a, well, I don't know how many more they're going to do of those. Yeah. They're yeah. In the for sure. For FDX. It's, it's pretty uh, bumpy <laughs> road over the last couple of weeks, but, <laughs> but, uh, some of those are some of the highest affiliate program paying programs would oh, be, yeah. would be, ex, you know, exchanges, SaaS software. In fact, affiliate marketing is one of the ways that SaaS software as, as a service companies scale. Mm-hmm. So whether that's epidemic sound, vidIQ, and so those can be, and if you think about it, their margins are also easier than a physical product. It's hard for Amazon's got their cut on a Canon camera. Canon has the hard cost of it. Um, my friend Guy has a place called DVE Store in Everett, Washington. And he just even talked about, I told him that Amazon would pay me, but pays me 4% on a camera. And he was shocked. He was like, I don't even know how I could make money. So even just the margins on a physical product, Versus if you get behind software, subscription, other like other people's online courses, other people's coaching. A lot of times in the industry, people give you 50-50 on, on like an online course that you promote for someone else. So yeah, affiliate marketing is, it's the way I was originally able to reach financial freedom as a, uh, or I don't know about financial freedom, but to completely replace my income, build a six-figure income was making videos, ranking videos, and connecting them to different affiliate programs. Mm. Yeah, that's the cool thing, man, because to your point, um, a lot of people think they got to have a business and a product to push people to. And even though, you know, if you know how to run business, yes, that is the way to go, right? It's, It's the reason I don't really do sponsors or anything. I'm like, I am my sponsor. Like, I'll make way more promoting my own thing than I would promoting somebody else's thing. But nonetheless, not many people have, you know, well-oiled businesses that can handle that and they still have time to make content. It's like rare. Um, So to that end, if you're very passionate about making videos and creating content and you're sitting here like, yeah, I want to make this content and I I, want to build my personal brand and influence, but 
I don't really have anything to sell them. It's like, dude, no, affiliates are a great thing to sell. Like if you're in the real estate niche and you have nothing to sell them in real estate, sell them future flipper. Like Mm -hmm. we'll pay you. Right. I had a guy reach out to me the other day. He's like, Hey, you know, I really like what you're doing with Constant Empire. Um, I want to write a blog post about it. Can I like get an affiliate link and I'll I'll do the blog? And I'm like, sure. Doesn't cost me any work or time or anything. Like it's a customer I probably wouldn't have got. Like we're gonna pay marketing anyway, one way or another. It's no different to me. Yeah. You know, I think actually just giving listeners a business model too. Um, I heard uh, Tony and Dean put it this way. There's the knowledge broker the reporter, and then the results expert. And this could be the journey. This is how anybody could get started. So originally when you're the knowledge broker, you would say like, you shouldn't create an online course about real estate. You haven't done it. You've done it. Mm -hmm. So you're the knowledge broker of future flipper. So you create content. How do you do that? You become the reporter. And that would be the Napoleon uh, Hill think and grow rich model. Like People doing interviews of experts and then sharing their tips is not new. Best-selling personal development book, Napoleon Hill did not have the results himself. He went to the moguls of his day and he started an interview show. So one of even the most popular things, powerful things you could do is you could start a YouTube channel, start a video podcast, start interviewing experts, be an affiliate for their program pro- mm-hmm. programs yep. because you're a knowledge broker. And then the cool thing about that as you get better at that, chop up that content, start do- dominating social media. You could do this by yourself. And, and if you're super hungry, you want to quit your nine to five and you, you know, you hate your day job, you can start chipping away at this on the side. But then what happens as you're the knowledge broker and then eventually the reporter is you eventually can become the results expert. Because if you are also learning and applying what you're learning, you now are having to figure out business. This has kind of been my journey. Like I now have 22, 24 W2 employees, 10 contractors, whatever, you know, taxes, uh, P&Ls, HR. So, so I've had to actually build a real business, learn the skill sets of being a CEO. It's a journey. And, and so not getting ahead of your depth of, of trying to even be an expert. You don't have to be an expert. You can just be a reporter. And you can learn from others and monetize in the journey. And then eventually, maybe you hone in your expertise and start building your own stuff. So really, before you ever build, I think, your own product, the opportunity is to promote somebody else's, you know, or to do something on Amazon or somewhere else and use that season. It's pretty cool because it's a win-win. You can monetize and make money while you're also getting your own personal development and learning and what you're learning from all the relationships and the conversations you're having. This is one of, that's probably one of the best business models in kind of the new economy that we're living in right now. Mm, Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, um, everything said spot on. And even when I look at some of the biggest guys today, um, these like big podcasters who it's like, they don't really teach things themselves, but they're really good at just getting great guests and experts. Like, um, I was going to say Lewis House could be a good example of this. I mean, Lewis is a buddy of mine and I know he he does some teaching, but I mean, he's really known for just getting great guests and great experts and people of all different professions. And he's just great at interviewing them and pulling out information and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, I think Tim Ferriss, another guy who's done that really well and just bringing people on, consolidating the knowledge and the experts. It's not like Tim has to go on his show and just like come up with content every day. Like he's just good at brokering knowledge. 100%. Yeah. And I, I've kind of thought about that too with my stuff where I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I make a lot of videos where I am the knowledge and I am going to tell you whatever I'm training you on. And then I love bringing guys like you on where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I obviously understand YouTube too, but I'm I'm not the guy with 2 million, 3 million subscribers, right? I want to hear what you have to say. And as a guy trying to get better, I want to like pick your brain and all that. So I think uh, to your point, you can be a hybrid. You, you can, can be both. Yeah. Sh- and, and it would be smart to keep doing them all because you keep sharpening uh, the saw, you keep getting better. And that's that's the ultimate hack. Well, the good thing about the podcast is it allows you to do that, right? Because if I just have like, a TikTok and I'm like, Hey, Sean, and I'm a nobody, right? Like do a TikTok with me. You're like, yeah, you know, dude, I don't have time to like go meet you and do a TikTok. But you know, if I have a podcast and it's doing well, I'm like, Hey, Sean, come on my podcast. And sure enough, like 
it can be a complete win-win because, you know, you're going to come here and get some exposure for whatever it is you want to talk about. And um, I can also get you more exposure by chopping it up into reels and TikToks. And it's going to be just great all the way around. So that's how I get, you know, people like uh, Cardone, who was just in that seat. He's like, yeah, this is good for my brand. And like, you know, I'm not, he didn't charge me anything. It's just like, it's a win-win. And for me, I get to go interview the best people in their fields, you know, and get to build relationships and know them and all because of podcasts. I don't think you really get that with just reels or even like five, 10 minute YouTubes. It's the podcast that that really happens. For sure. It's, it's such a thing. I mean, and I think what the big objection I'm sure listeners could feel is like, man, but it feels like there's so much competition and it feels like it's too late. And, you know, but it's number one, I really believe that saturation is a myth. We do, we need to understand we just crossed a, at the time of recording, we just crossed a threshold on the earth of 8 billion humans alive <laughs> Yeah, and 2.6 billion monthly active users on YouTube. I think if you can find a unique niche, you can find something different. Is YouTube the biggest at 2.6? Facebook's a little bit bigger, but some stats show that YouTube's actually bigger in terms of like consumption like active users and people coming on the website. Like I think if you go, YouTube's the second biggest website. I think Google gets the most traffic. I know TikTok had the highest watch time. Yeah, and but and that metric was a little skewed because it was for like among Gen Z, they you know they watch twenty six minutes a day and YouTube watches twenty three minutes a day. But also there's a lot less baby boomers on uh, TikTok, if any. Whereas there's a lot of baby boomers in Gen X on YouTube. And that goes back to the quality of the audience. The CMO of HubSpot said the most valuable subscribers on the internet are YouTube subscribers. Mm. And he's exactly right. When it comes to how YouTube pays for monetization, when it comes to people who take action, when it comes to people who want to learn. What I've heard others say that too, also even podcast subscribers are also various people as well. They're learners. They want, they're going to stick with it. They're working People who out. listen to podcasts are a totally different breed of people. They right? are. And so, and, and YouTube is a, is a mix, but they're, they're the most valuable subscribers because again, they're taking action. If they're already searching to learn something there, they might go deeper in education somewhere else. And so TikTok, of course, that's not to, I, I'm not even putting TikTok down. It's just really understanding the different platforms. TikTok, you're going to get a lot of people who just want to binge absolute garbage, you know, <laughs> and and just that are looking for that, like kind of mind numbing entertainment or just that random kind of stuff. And yes, yeah, some people want to go there to learn, but even the sheer nature of the content, it's kind of like the difference between someone who buy a book and someone who doesn't even like reading. I mean, I respect whatever people are saying, but there is something to say about depth, reading an entire book, listening to an audio book versus just reading a blog post or reading a tweet. It's about substance. Podcast listeners, for sure. Those are more serious people. And what you will see to that point, I'm talking about higher net worth individuals. So so in terms of buying power, a TikTok audience is way different than Gen X or baby boomers consuming content on YouTube. Of course, millennials, but you're going to get it. YouTube is, is, it's by far the dominant video platform if you add up all the metrics that matter. Sure, maybe from an impressions or view standpoint, TikTok should not be ignored, but it's clear who the king is when you really look underneath the surface. Yeah. And I mean, just looking at what YouTube's doing with, you know, and everyone's got YouTube handles now, you know, they're trying to make it more personal. They finally have figured out the feed and, you know, the shorts are separated. The long videos are separated. You know, like you brought up earlier, they're creating like a whole new section for podcasts because they want to really compete with Spotify and Apple podcast and, you know, the only thing they lack right now are are um, the ability to DM. And somebody told me that's what they're working on, right? So they're definitely trying to keep their throne because I think definitely short form the last couple of years really spooked them because they never can like took it serious and it came out of nowhere. Yep, I I completely agree. It's a force to be reckoned with and owned by Google. I think. Um, and an alphabet being absolutely massive. Again, TikTok should not be ignored, but it also is kind of feels like a little bit of fragile territory. I know people are saying it might get shut down. That's a oh, yeah. real possibility. Yeah. Like so, and that's where I go to for the risk averse, or rather, uh, I wouldn't even say risk averse, like maybe the entrepreneur that's moving a little bit too much in fear. 
They might be like, oh, I don't want to invest in TikTok and vertical video because what if it gets shut down? But my question is, you're not investing in TikTok. You're investing in vertical video. And so who cares if it gets shut down? Mm-hmm. You get some reach today, but you also have Instagram reels, Facebook reels, you're still gonna make YouTube them. shorts. And so look at the look at the bigger upside. And and you I love your your real estate advice too. You're like, I'm gonna make money in an up market and a down market. I'm we're on offense here, not defense here. And so why we could just sit on the sidelines. What if TikTok gets shut down? Well, why don't we maximize it for especially the next two years? Because probably the current administration, it probably won't. Maybe something changes. That's a lot of maybes to sit on the sidelines. You definitely just want to get in the game and always move in faith and offense, not fear and defense. Yeah, I mean, and also too, it's mainly just an excuse. It's just yeah. like, you make the videos and post them everywhere. Yeah. Like it, it's here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for sure, like, meanwhile, someone will say, oh, I'm just waiting. What if it gets shut down? You know, well, maybe it gets shut down a year from now, but between now and the next year, we're going to make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Why you, so, so yeah, by the way, it would be incredibly discouraging to build up a following, build up that fan base and lose it all. Yeah. I get it. Like for sure. But again, nobody knows the future. So might as well uh, maximize yeah, what they, you can. They did it in India. And I remember when I um, first started on TikTok, I had a lot of followers from India. It was super random. Um, but I mean, like they were the biggest like um, country on TikTok at the time and they banned it. And then I just saw, I was like, huh, they're gone. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. It, it, it is very interesting world we're living in for sure. Yeah. Well, bro, it's always good hanging out with you, man. I think everyone needs to go cop the new YouTube secrets. They need to go embrace video. If you're an entrepreneur and you're not making content, I don't know what you're doing. But dude, thanks for all the updates and for all the strategies, man. I appreciate you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Cool. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Thanks for watching all the way through on this podcast. It means a lot to me. I've also done another interview that I think is going to be super helpful for you. So make sure you watch this one now coming up next.